Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ways to Win with Weinstein. And it's been a little while since we had an interview, but I saved one of the best for this month's episode. It's none other than Tim Petrillo. He is the co-founder and current CEO of The Restaurant People. And if you've ever dined in Fort Lauderdale, you have almost certainly dined at one of his establishments. And that would include YOLO, O-Lounge, S3, Township, Boatyard, Spatch, Java and Jam, Casablanca Cafe, uh, and many others. Uh, Tarpon Bend, downtown off of Himmershi. Um, That is Tim and Tim's company, The Restaurant People. He is also the co-founder of Urban Street Development, which focuses on real estate development both up near Tallahassee, as well as down in Fort Lauderdale. Some current projects that they have, uh, and projects you may be familiar with, include Florida State University's College Town Entertainment District. There's also the Hotel Indigo in Tallahassee. And in Fort Lauderdale, they have the Q Apartments, as well as the New River Trading Post Development, and the Foundry or Mills Lofts in Flagler Village. Tim is very involved in the community. He's been the board of trustees, past president for Jack and Jill's Children's Center, as well as the past chairman of the Fort Lauderdale Downtown Development Authority. He's also won major awards in business, and we are excited to have Tim because he is able to share with us what he does on a daily basis to be successful in both of these companies that he now has co-founded and and currently runs. And so, you know, Tim is a a very busy guy. He shares with us a little bit about his schedule. He also talks to us about how the pandemic has affected his businesses. Um, What is he currently doing and what does he foresee for the future? Also shares a little bit of insight on his take on the Fort Lauderdale real estate market. You know, so I'm very excited to share the interview with Tim. If you want to get in touch with Tim, one of the best ways to do it would be by email. You can email him at tpetrillo, P-E-T-R-I-L-L-O, at therestaurantpeople.com. He says that he monitors his own email, and he will, he will definitely respond to you back. So without further ado, here is my interview with Tim Petrillo. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ways to Win with Weinstein. I am Justin Weinstein, your host, and I'm here with my esteemed guest, Tim Petrillo. Tim Petrillo is the co-founder and CEO of The Restaurant People. He also is a co-founder of Urban Street Development, which which focuses on hotels, and some uh, complexes, real estate up yeah, in mixed use projects. Mixed use projects up in uh, the Tallahassee area, and he also has multiple restaurants actually in in many states. Mm-hmm. Is that right, Tim? That's correct. Five different states, uh, and that's called the Shrimp Basket. Well, well, it's under the restaurant people. That that concept's called the Shrimp Basket. Yes. Awesome. How many total um, concepts or, or restaurants do you have under the restaurant people? 
uh, right now operating, we have 52. 52 yeah, under uh, the restaurants. restaurant people. That's correct. And then, uh, but we've had over, you know, 80 total. We bought and sold a bunch. We, we were the f- development partner with Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza when they first launched. So we had the West Coast of Florida with them. So. Wow. That's uh, exciting. That's quite a lot. So, Tim Petrillo, how do you achieve that level of a success? Can you tell us a little bit how you got here? Well, again, I think that, uh, you know, the, obviously you have to commit to doing something. You have to work hard and grind at it. And I, I always find that the, the, the more I work, the more opportunities come my way. And, and that's pretty much the, you know, you have to connect with people. You have to network. You have to, you know, look out for opportunities. Was hospitality always like your number one choice? Yeah, it was. I, was, uh, I started when I was 13 years old. I was up at Florida State University uh, going to college. All my buddies have gotten there, uh, focus on what degree they're going to go after. I was somewhat of a train wreck at college up there, and I had an epiphany that said, you know, I'm, if, if I'm going to do anything, I need to get out of this town, okay? So I, I immediately packed up my, uh, my apartment and drove down to FIU. They had a, uh, a well-known restaurant program down there, hospitality program, and I enrolled there, and and I did much better in that environment. So you didn't stay the six years like some of our friends up at Florida State. No, I did uh, stay six years, and I had to go. <laughs> and I had two more years. I had to go to FIU to get the old school. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, you know, we've talked a little bit about the podcast and what it's about. Basically, it's called Ways to Win. We want to know what makes you successful, and so we want to ask a little bit about your experience and the advice that you would give potential you know, entrepreneurs, business yeah. owners, people that want to get into your field or even other fields sure. uh, in a more general sense. Uh, but I would love to hear more about your journey, how you, you went to FIU sure, uh, and you immediately started taking hospitality classes. Yes, that's right. So, so, you know, the wonderful thing about FIU is that you have world-class restaurants right there. You have world-class hotels and resorts right in Miami. So you have the opportunity to work for some great people. And I was, uh, I was, Lucky enough to work for a all-star chef at the time, Mark Militello. He just won James Beard Award. So I was able to work in that environment and kind of see how that game is played uh, at that level. Uh, it introduced me to a lot of uh, great people. Uh, funny story, I, I, at the time, Houston, it still is, Hillstone is still the, the premier restaurant company, in my opinion, uh, operating in, in the States here. And they own Houston's, they own Banderas, they own R&D, Kitchen. Uh, and that was the gold standard of training, so I wanted to go for, work for them. They interviewed 10 candidates out of 300 applicants that, that had the opportunity to interview with them that, that day when they were visiting for their recruiting trip. Unfortunately, I didn't get the nod, okay? So I, uh, I was pretty bummed out. I was, failure number one. Yeah, failure number one. I was a bar manager for Mark Militello, <clears throat> so I'm at the bar that night, and I, I would work a couple shifts behind the bar, and, and there's one guy sitting by himself, and there's a group of 10 people that were kind of off on their own talking, so I just started a conversation with this one guy, and, you know, he knew a lot about the restaurant business. He, we were, you know, talking shop, and he had places in Atlanta, and my brother was living in Atlanta, so we were I go, God, you, you really know a lot about the restaurant business. Yeah, yeah, I own, I own some restaurants. I said, oh, which ones do you own? He goes, well, I own Houston's. And I said, really? I said, no doubt. So that's how I got my job at Houston's. So it's like the, the, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And that was kind of the philosophy that has held true through my whole career. Sounds so, serendipitous. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're 
working and connecting with people, opportunities happen. You just have to, you have to be there to see the ha- see them happen. Gotcha. So and so you're saying the Hillstone Group is kind of like what you look up to. What, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and have you had any sort of recurring? Uh, let's say relationships with that group. Oh yeah. I have a lot Continuing. of, yeah, I have a lot of friends in that group. I have uh, George Beale actually, when he's in town, he stops in on my stores, uh, Vic Brandstetter, who was the director of operation. He comes through and sees me. So I, I said in the very beginning, urban street development yeah. has to do with real estate. Sure. It's a little bit of a different area. Obviously it's not restaurants. No, nope. um, totally still does have some hospitality aspects to it. What do you like more? What are the differences, in your opinion, managing both groups? So, so real estate, the interesting thing about real estate is that uh, restaurants give a halo effect to real estate, meaning that when a developer comes in, they want to have great restaurants to drive the other values of the real estate. So we learned very quickly that when we were developing our restaurants uh, in pioneering areas that if we own the dirt, we would have a lot more success and value creation. So that's how our approach was, and it just kind of grew from there. So we started off with a single-user restaurant, uh, Hemmershey Barn Grill. Then we, where we were parking cars, we developed, uh, my partner and I, Alan Hooper, bought that parking lot and developed a, a mixed-use project, our first office and three-restaurant deal, rel- relatively small. And we realized that we could get leverage from the banks. We could tenant the place because we could get great co-tenants with us. And then we could, you know, refinance that and do other deals. So we started doing that. Uh, and that led to uh, Avenue Lofts. Uh, are you familiar with Avenue Lofts? Yeah, I've, I've seen it. Yeah, so we developed that. That was our first residential project. We did uh, those five buildings. And then we also did the um, Foundry in the Mill in Flat Village, and it, it was like one of our first deals that we did there. And it just kind of rolled into other opportunities. We've done, we've done a hotel, we did the Q apartments over here. We're about to, uh, we're about to announce a seven acre project in Fat Village that we're doing with Heinz. It has office, uh, residential and retail. And uh, we've done a, we built an entertainment complex outside of uh, Tallahassee, at uh, Doe Campbell Stadium called College Town which is been there. oh you've been college yeah. yeah so we developed that we did a hotel there i went to fsu oh you did that's the real that. reason i picked you for the podcast oh okay yeah. perfect it was just perfect a, it's a seminal connection yeah yeah i said I, I, he's got to be on yeah yeah so so when you were up there that that whole area was probably warehouse. i ran into you you were going to a game that's right that's right um, I, I believe yep. uh in carolina it was that's right that's right game. i was going to Asheville. yeah yeah yep, that's right um so would you would you would you say that your company is more so a real estate company or more so a hospitality restaurant group? I, it's both. It's both. I, I don't think you can just be. You know, we have two different teams working on two different businesses, and you know you can't be half in half out. Especially in the restaurant business, it's way it's it's too difficult. There's too many things to keep your hands on to have a half in approach. Interesting, because I, I I recently heard somewhere that the CEO of uh, McDonald's. If you if you asked him what the business he's in, it's real estate. He well, cares more so about the land underneath the McDonald's. Well, that is the foundation, no pun intended, of any good deal in the restaurant business. I mean, if you don't, I, I would always tell people I'd rather be the worst operator in the best location than the best operator in the worst location because the location will win out every time. Gotcha. So um, let's go straight into Tim's. <clears throat> uh, and well, let me talk first about more 
uh, the restaurant people and the different locations, just so yeah. people get an idea of, of um, your company. You know, we definitely know about Township, uh, which we're actually on the corp. We're in the corporate offices for That's the restaurant right. people, right above Township. Um, there's also uh, S3 on the beach, Sun, mm-hmm. Surf, and Sand. There's Yolo and O Lounge. There's Java and Jam. Uh, there's also Boatyard. Yep. Um, what else am I missing? So people have uh, an rooftop idea. and taste. Uh, the Tarpon River Brewery, Spatch, uh, Casablanca. Uh, Basically, all the places I yeah, eat. Yeah, at. yeah. So we have quite a few in town here. <laughs> uh, and if you live in Fort Lauderdale or in the, the surrounding area, you've most likely dined at one of your establishments. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so let's let's go more into personally Tim sure. and and Tim's routine, maybe on um, uh, daily. Okay. What what is it that you find successful in your daily routine every day? Well, I'm an early riser. I like to get up uh, probably quarter to five. I work out. Uh, right away that kind of sets my tone for the day I mean really it's more of a and I enjoy working out but it's more of a you know it's kind of sets the pace of what I'm going to face then I I, you know grab a quick smoothie and I'm usually in the office by 6 30 7 o'clock I find my most productive time uh, is between 7 and 9 because you know typically the phones aren't ringing people aren't in the office yet so I can just kind of focus and get bang out a lot of the stuff that I need to take off my, my to-do list. Uh, and then come 9 o'clock, you're typically on the phone till 11.30. Then I try to get into the restaurants from 11.30 to 1, 1 to 2 o'clock. Come back, uh, work in the afternoon till about 6, and then head over into the restaurants again. And I get home somewhere around 10.30, 11, and start it all over again. What is it about your, first of all, what type of workout are you doing early that in the morning? Well, uh, I go to a crossfit functional fitness place called uh tribal fitness over here off of flagler and uh and i i do sometimes i do runs in the morning so it's typically that all right i actually just started this electroshock thing have you heard of that yeah the body 20 have you done that i haven't done it yet but i definitely know that it's it's coming around i gotta tell you it's getting really uh uh popular so i just started like two weeks ago so i I gotta you know i was reading about it and i met this guy who did it and i'm like let me let me give this a shot holy it's it's much more intense than you would ever imagine. So I, brought, I brought four people in, and they all are floored. You're loving it. How how often are you doing it? I've done it like twice a week so far for three weeks. Is it's just something you wear? Yeah, it's a, basically you, you get you get uh it's, it's it's you see it when they do physical therapy on people who can't move their leg and stuff, and it shocks the muscle and it, and it uh, basically contracts the muscle at a far different rate than you would just working out. And it is intense, and you get really sore. I mean, it contracts your muscles. It's pretty wild. Wow. But anyway, I, you know, it's one of these things that, that uh, I like to do different stuff. You know, you don't want to get bored with stuff, so I mm-hmm. check new things out. Now, uh, during our prep before the, the podcast, you had mentioned that you're a reader. Yes. What are you currently reading? Uh, I just finished Robert Iger's book. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a great book. And now I'm into Netflix. The the uh, what's his name's book? I'm like halfway through. Bob Iger's book is The Ride of a Lifetime. Yep. Uh, yep. CEO of uh, Disney. Yep. Um, excellent book. I highly recommend it. Where do you find time to read, though? Well, again, you know, you, you read, you, you make time, right? I mean, you know, I, a lot of times I do audio books when I run, and I got I, I I picked up this. Have you? You've obviously heard of Master's Classes. Mm-hmm. 
So when I'm running on a treadmill, I clip off one of those lessons, you know, and it makes time go by fast, and you're learning something when you're doing that. So that, that's a You've lot. done Chris Voss's, the negotiator? Yes, the I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, um, that was one of my more recent ones. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm into that. I actually gifted Masterclass to my dad. I did gift it to my brother. Yeah. Um, well, we've shouted out your, your gym, the new... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also Masterclass. Yeah. Um, so any other, like... Uh, you know, podcasts that you're listening to or things during during your week or you know i don't i to be honest i don't really listen to podcasts i i do a lot of audiobooks i should probably listen to podcasts but i haven't changed yeah i'm gonna listen to yours now <laughs> but uh but uh you know i i think that in the morning i read two papers i read the local sunset and all i read the wall street journal okay and then uh typically i'll try to before i go to bed i'll try to bang out a couple chapters at night of of, of different books and, and I, have a, I have a bad habit of reading a lot of books at one time and not just taking one and reading it through. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, actually I'm reading Matthew McConaughey's book right now. Yeah. Green lights. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's excellent. So, so, so good. Uh, do you have any mentors, anybody you yeah. look up to, you call up, you say, look, I'm dealing with this crazy thing at work. This like, what would you do? Yeah. I, I would say that I was very, if there was one thing that I was extremely lucky with was getting the right mentors. Okay. And I think that's critical. Um, so Steve Halmos, who I share an office with, uh, he was, he was my absolute, uh, he, he's my mentor. So he's shown me a great deal. We, we were, I was fortunate to meet him when I was very young. I had uh, one restaurant at the time. He was a guest of ours, uh, and we just formed a relationship and, and he's a, a business titan. He's like one of the largest real estate developers and owners in Fort Lauderdale. He's a great guy, very humble guy. Uh, but he, you know, it's great to bounce ideas off of him and, and he'll give you an unvarnished truth of what the idea is, which is important because mm-hmm. that, you know, you don't want to surround yourself with people who are just, Oh yeah, that's a great idea and walk away and say, that's the worst idea ever. And let you do that. Right. You want people who are going to give you the truth, no matter how it makes you feel. And, uh, you know, he, he's been, he's been like that. He's been a great business partner. Um, so I was fortunate to have Terry Styles as a, uh, when he was alive, he was one of my business partners and a mentor. Uh, so, you know, you surround yourself with people like that, you learn a lot. You got uh, partners now in the restaurant group or the restaurant yeah. people? Yeah, so Alan Hooper and Peter Baluk are my partners in the restaurant people. Is uh, Mr. Holmos on it or not? Well, he's a, my, our financial partner as well, yeah. Got but you. the operating partners are Alan and Peter and myself. Nice. And Aaron Abramoff. Okay. This is kind of a difficult question. Okay. Uh, what is Tim's definition of success? Well, there's, you know, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of answers to that question. You know, I think it's defined by what you're talking about also. So, you know, I I think if you're happy with what you're doing and you're healthy, that's the ultimate success, right? And then hopefully money will follow that happiness because you're enjoying so much. So that, that would be another layer to that success. But ultimately, I think if you're, if you're really happy in life because of what you do and how you do things and the people you surround yourself with and, and all that, I think that's success. Great, great answer. Uh, we know that based on uh, your, your resume, your bio, you have a lot of community involvement yeah. uh, as well. Uh, what prompted that and what are you most proud of out of your community involvement? Well, I, I think it's important that I wanted to get involved in the community because the community has given me so much. So I think someone should give back and we like to give back to areas that need it most. And 
young children in underprivileged areas seems to be that kind of thesis that we do. So, so, uh, and, and again, you know, you don't know how lucky you are until you see the other side, right? And, and I would say that that, that gives us a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, and, and it also builds a, it builds a strong culture. So I also like to have our company involved with that because, you know, it, it, it builds a great culture of giving, you know, and, and if you're in hospitality, hospitality is really all about giving, giving service, giving great, you know, experiences. So it really, it really lends itself to our company. That's great. Uh, I think the question on, on everyone's minds and especially mine now, we had talked about doing this podcast six months ago. Yes. Uh, approximately. And I remember talking to you. I was sitting at Java and Jam eating, which I do probably twice a week. Yeah. And you were in there and I said, hey, what, like, you know, would you mind? I, I have this podcast. This is what we're doing. You know, uh, we'd love to, I'd love to have you on the show. And you said, you know, can we wait until maybe the pandemic comes down a little bit? So the question on everyone's mind is tell us about your dealing with the pandemic and, and what you've had to go through. Well, again, you know, it was the most uncertain time in a lot of people's lives, right? That, that when you, when you go from, you know, millions of dollars in revenue to zero overnight, that's a hard thing to kind of figure out where you're going to land. So, so as rules, regulations, data was coming out about what this is and how long this might be, we had to adjust and, and, you know, like everybody, so there was a lot of dark times, not knowing where we were going, what we were, what we were how we we're going to get out of it. Uh, you know, we had a great, uh, we, had a, we, have a, we have a great solid team. And, you know, we were very proud to not lay off one manager. We have almost 80 managers. We, we decided that, you know what, we, we can't talk about how our culture is and you know, being there for our employees and not prove it in a time like that. So we made a decision that we're not going to lay off any managers. We had we did have to furlough some of our hourly people, uh, but uh, and then we just kind of dug in and mapped out a plan. That plan changed dramatically throughout the whole pandemic, and we just you know made it through. We did, you know, and I'm really proud of that. I, I, we didn't close the store. We didn't. We brought back all our employees. We 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 lowered our expense base to lower than I ever thought we could operate at. You know, we we did the things that we had to do to get through any crisis. Yeah, some of the things that I know that talking to other business owners and entrepreneurs that they say, you know, it's challenge comes to you like that, and you're able to adapt. Yep. That's what makes yep. you uh, and kind of separates you from the pack. And I, I feel like your restaurants have done that. Can you name one of the things I know that I know that you cut down costs dramatically like you just said never thought it was possible can you name one other thing maybe that you had to adapt based on this this pandemic well you know what we did is we looked at the business in every aspect that we could we shined a light on everything and hours of operations you know we, we decided to trim our hours to only when we'd make people wanted to be there you know a lot of times we were open at seven o'clock in the morning and we would find that until eight o'clock no one was really showing up so before that was a non-starter. We were going to be open when somebody wanted to come in. So now we've we've really just made our operating hours the most efficient they can be. The way we staffed our management teams was totally different. You know, we we used to staff really heavy, but we we changed that approach. Uh, we changed their roles in the restaurant. Uh, we automated a lot, a lot of our ordering and things like that. We 
brought in software systems to help us automate that so we understood our inventories a lot better uh and you know we just kind of figured out how to live with less mm-hmm. and i mean you have to do that you have in to. your situation otherwise I, I don't think you'd still be around no after a year and, and, I, and i will say you know our team was great about not panicking okay you, you know, panic. Tell the truth. I mean, obviously you panic, right? You know, I, I, you know, I'd be lying to you if I didn't have sleepless nights when that was going down. But, but, you know, we never, no one ever, everyone had a can-do attitude, which was made the world a difference. You know, it was what do we got to get through this? We're gonna get through this. What do we need to do? You know. Now, besides your normal corporate, probably, you know, you meet, probably meet in this boardroom saying, you know, top management, what are we planning to do? Mm-hmm. Did you have a discussion or a talk with your entire yeah. staff? Oh, yeah. We would do Zoom calls probably every other week just to let them know where we are. I think communication was critical with that because, you know, you have these managers who everyone else in their world that they know in other in other restaurants and things are getting laid off. They don't know where they're going to go. You know, people are moving. So it was critical that we had open lines of communication. And they didn't take off. When we opened for to-go, so we moved managers around. Everyone was working and still seeing each other so it was we just didn't have guests okay we would do we, we, you know during that time we we actually hired we it was a great opportunity for trp we saw some chefs get laid off that were super talented that we ended up hiring in the pandemic uh we brought back uh chris mercola who was our chef at taste now he's our corporate chef uh martin verano who we've known for a long time we hired him now he's the chef at yolo these are guys that had the pandemic not happened we would not have the opportunity to get them in our team i'm telling you uh, the more i listen to you the more i'm thinking the pandemic was a blessing you know i I don't want to say that now because we're not totally through it but from where i sit if we continue down the same path we're going it really was because we learned to operate a business in a different manner which is more efficient and more effective we were able to really solidify our team. We've had, since the pandemic and since we reopened, we've had five different managers come to us and want to work for us because they heard about how we treated our team uh, during the pandemic. So, you know, there is a halo effect to that chaos. Yeah, and I didn't mean to say pandemic as a blessing. Like, I, I right. meant it in the business sense yeah. for you. Right. Because uh, we know that it's not a blessing. Right. But ultimately, it did take you to, you know, it, it pushed you to take a long, hard look in the mirror and say, we can do better and we have to do better. We're not going to survive. Sure. And I, and I think that comes with any crisis, any crisis that you have a choice when a crisis happens. You can fold, right? Or you can grind through. And typically when you grind through, you learn through that process and you become better on the other side. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, something about, going to shift gears just a little bit, something about the restaurant industry that people, normal people that aren't in, in the business or hospitality sector, Something that's surprising that they don't know. How tough it is. <laughs> How tough it is. <laughs> yeah. Cut through. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I mean, you have, you know, if you, look at, if you look at the restaurant business as a whole, okay, you're in service, you're in manufacturing, you're in time management, you're in all these different kinds of nodes that people manage on their own, right? But we have to put all that together in a very short window and deliver an experience that a guest wants to come back for because really we don't have 
it's not a contract with our customer. It's not. It's an at-will relationship. All right, they can leave at will at any time and never come back. So you have to deliver on the last experience. Mm. Speaking of that, um, an at-will, you know, kind of relationship with your your customer. Is there some sort of slogan or company motto or, or a mission statement yeah, per se that would that would do, is it based on the client? Is it based on your team? Can you share that with us? Yeah. So so we we have a mission statement and we also have values. We have five values and the very first and top value is the guest above all else. Okay. So that that just says listen at the end of the day, it's our obligation to make the guest happy and you can do whatever you need to make the guest happy. So that's the guest above all else. And that's kind of the overarching thesis of our service. That's awesome. Um, that's great. Is there uh, one of the, th- one of the topics I wanted to bring up, um, is another, another very big bar slash restaurant opened right across the street. Sure. Um, we won't have to name it, but we can name it. The Wharf. Yeah. Uh, how did that affect your outlook of this particular, um, restaurant uh rooftop as well as township in this area like so i was very i'm very fortunate that i'm we're next to that okay because it gives us you know a lot of synergy if i had a a restaurant or bar in the other area of town that would concern me i was we had bars and restaurants and i'll give you an example we had bars and restaurants on on second street and then the hard rock opened and that really hurt because it wasn't, you know, it was too far away. So basically sucked guests the over there. Yeah. Just right, right. took it. Right. So, so the wharf has a halo effect to our operations down here. So I, I'm happy they open. We, we, we have seen instant lift when they open their doors. Gotcha. Do you have one particular um, establishment that you would say is your favorite and, and why? I don't, I mean... They're like my children, so it's hard to say, you know. I mean, they're all very different, right? They're, we do different concepts. So, so, you know, you love them for different reasons. Mm-hmm. You also hate them for different reasons. Right. Uh, is there something, you had mentioned a development project over here in Fat Village. Yeah. Uh, that you guys are, are doing. Uh, is there something else or other kind of news, um, exciting things coming to Fort Lauderdale that you can forecast for people and tell people on, on the podcast? Yeah, well, we're doing we're working on a couple things. Um, we actually we're right now launching a rooftop in Brickell uh, on the AC Hotel down there. Uh, we have uh, some we're I don't, I don't want to announce it now, but we're working on a couple new things that haven't been inked yet, but but will shortly that'll that'll be very exciting for Fort Lauderdale. And then uh, our project in Fat Village, we're we're going to have about. 75,000 square feet of retail that we're going to have some restaurants in there, but I'm getting some great co-tenants. Uh, and it's, uh, it'll be a really cool kind of project that we're excited about. You have an approximate date? Or? Yeah. Well, we're going to break ground probably about six months. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's a mixed use project. There's office retail and also housing. So it's going to be done in phases. I may need to call you for my office. Yeah, <laughs> for, please for do. Section. Um, so, uh, being that you are uh, have been and continue to establish yourself in real estate, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you also was about what you see happening around Fort Lauderdale in particular. Um, all of the condos going yeah. up, all the you know, how do you see people filling those new condos, or you know, what is your yeah. 
What is your uh, expert opinion on the real estate market around here? Well, first off, I wouldn't say I'm an expert. Okay. <laughs> I, I do say that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for South Florida in general and Fort Lauderdale. Okay. We have the pandemic has given, put gas on a fire in this market. Okay. We have... Today, I was in this conference room earlier with a guy who was just wanted local knowledge about restaurants. He has seven restaurants in New York that are shut down, and he wants to open up down here. Okay, He's contemplating moving his entire company down here. I'm having those conversations with people constantly now uh, from Chicago, from uh, Philadelphia last week. People recognize that Florida has not only a tax benefit, but a lifestyle benefit for the first time in a very long time. And if you look at all these units that have been delivered, the absorption rate has stayed solid, okay? They're not like they're, you know, they dip down to 80%, but to back up to 90% within a couple months. And the lease-up rates on a new product is, you know, 8 to 10 months, which is solid. So people are moving in. There's, what do they say, 30,000 people a month moved to Broward County, something like that, I heard. So, I mean, it's it's... Yeah, I, I was just forwarded an article today by a, a surgeon that we work with, and it, it says literally that the rates in Fort Lauderdale are now higher leasing rates than Miami. Yeah. Um, is it the same you're seeing commercial as well? So commercial is a little slower right now because the retail drives commercial, and a lot of the retailers really got hurt through you know the, the Internet sales and things like that. But that will come back. That will come back. Uh, I also, I remember because I was, I think we were talking and, um, mentioned something about, uh, I know you said Casablanca, yeah. right? On the, um, now that wasn't originally owned and, and operated by TRP, right? That's correct. And so, uh, some of your deals are going to be acquisitions. Yep. Others are going to be just you creating the That's concept. Right. What do you like more? Um, and, and what, what's more difficult? Well, creating Developing and creating a concept is more difficult and more risk because you can have a great idea and, you know, think it's a great idea, you know, spend all that time developing the concept, investing all that money, and nobody else thinks it's a great idea. So when we purchase restaurants, that has already been vetted. You can see, you know, you, you can tell how well they're doing, obviously, and and you pay for a multiple of their that income and then you say okay well we, we can either approve that and improve the margin or you can just keep it as a as a operating business is there something that tim uh or maybe the management board looks at when acquiring a restaurant and says there it is that's what we can improve on well you know again there's a lot of levers that you can push and pull but you have to be especially when you go for like for instance casablanca casablanca is a lega, legacy restaurant in Fort Lauderdale. it's got a great location it is it can't be replicated. Yeah, for okay. those of you that don't know, yeah. it's right on the beach. Right. Beautiful view. It's like in an old-style uh, home. home. That's correct. Uh, it, it's just an excellent place. Yes. Uh, definitely good for a date. Yeah, so so Peter Beck, who owned that for a long time, wonderful man. He's been, he's been you know, I used to look up to him as a restaurateur. You know, he had Yesterdays. He had all kinds of restaurants back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and he has that. He has Aruba. And... You know, I, I had a conversation with him. I said, hey, you know, I don't, I know you're not for sale, but if you ever want to, you know, think about selling, please give me a call. And he did. And then we, we, it was a very easy transaction. We 
they were doing great there, right? They, we may, you know, everybody operates businesses differently, but you have to pay attention to the way they're doing it before because it was working before. And you don't want to go in and think that you can do it better because it, it may upset their guests, right? So we were very sensitive to, to making sure that we didn't try to pull too many things there. That I was very comfortable because Dave Townsend, he had worked, he's a general manager there. He had worked there for 17 out of the 25 years it's been open. And the only other time when he was gone, he was working for me. So I knew him as a manager. He knew us as operators. It was a, it was a, it was a safe transition and it's been great. Yeah. Pretty smooth. It yeah. sounds like, yeah. um, does Beck have a different management style than you? Would you say? Oh, I'm, everyone has a different management style. You know, I mean, I'm sure you have a different style than, you know, your competitors, right? I mean, not one's not better. One's just different. Right. So he has, a, he had a, he had a, and, and to be honest, we have learned a lot from that style. There was a lot of great takeaways from just watching what they did there that we've implemented, you know. How would you describe Tim's style for his company? Um, it's it's kind of hard to say. I, I think that um, you know, I, I kind of know what I want, but I listen to other people to see if we can get there together. Meaning that collaboration. Yeah, I think that it's important that everyone buys in. You know, especially when you're. We have a great, you know, C-level team here that that uh, that you know every Wednesday in this boardroom we talk about everything, and and uh, I might drive the conversation, but everybody has the decision, right? So we have to be on the same page. Absolutely. Uh, Last couple of questions. Sure. Uh, I would love to know, and we talked about it before, but the the book right now of your choice that you would gift someone, and why? Well, I think I, I love Shoe Dog, okay, because you know that's Phil Knight's book. I, I just it's hard to imagine how humbly they started and what he built that to. I just think it's an incredible story, and he was taking big big bets on huge stuff, risks. huge risks. You wouldn't know this because uh, you're going to listen to the podcast now, mm -hmm. but the one directly before yours to be released was a uh, podcast about me recommending certain books and podcasts. Oh, no kidding. And one of them was Shoe Dog by Phil Knight yeah. and describing the fact that he had so many hurdles to get over. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable that I'm Nike gonna... even exists. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's great to hear you say that. Um, to show that adversity and like to get over it is just, it's really inspiring. It is. And I think that, I mean, every business has adversity and I think resilience is the number one thing that you can be right. I mean, you just have to keep fighting, you know, you have to keep grinding and fighting and, and keeping your head up, you know? Absolutely. So, uh, the last thing that you may want to give as advice to anybody listening and wanting to maybe start off, start their own uh, business in hospitality or real estate, what would you tell them? Keep well, fighting. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think you know it, it's it's you have to understand what you're getting into, love, be in love with what you're getting into, and then be resilient. Want be resilient once you're in it. Gotcha. Is there a way uh, if anybody who listens to this can reach out to ask questions or pick yeah. your brain on something? Yeah, sure. How would they get in touch with you? Uh, my email. Uh, they can go to tpatrillo at the restaurantpeople dot com. 
or they can go to any comment box in our websites, any restaurants, that gets to me. Okay, awesome. So, um, and you, you answer those specifically, those yeah. comment boxes yeah. and reviews? Yeah. That's you? No, well, I see them, right? Oh, okay. I, you know, and I'll, I'll have a, if, if it's directed toward me, I'll absolutely answer it, and then, but I make sure that it's addressed through the manager. Yeah, I'm on all the comments. And all right, awesome. So I'm going to leave that in the, uh, the podcast notes sure. for anybody who, can, who wants to reach out to you. I want to thank you for obviously making yourself available. Yeah, no, I know you're a busy man. Uh, so I do appreciate it. Thank you, thank, Tim. Thank you for hosting me. Appreciate it. All right, thanks.